This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. 1 Timothy 4. And let's have a word of prayer again. Father, we do uh, once again thank You for bringing us together. And Lord, as always, we look to You. Ask for Your guidance here. Enable us to do what we've come to do, to um, do all things for Your honor and glory. Enable us to uh, understand Your Word. I ask that You enable me to speak the message You desire to be delivered and uh, enable us all to hear. Use it to equip us and to draw us close to You. Again, for Your glory, in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, um, and I'm going to go back. Now, I think that, uh, Lord willing, next next week we'll move on to chapter 5. Um, uh, I may have said that before. I don't remember if I did or not. But at any rate, I want to finish up these last few verses um, of chapter 4 and just consider some things here. Along the same lines we've been talking about the last few weeks, um, in our uh, in our talk about the pursuit of godliness, um, the command here to uh, to be godly and to live godly, and then uh, we we've already seen a little bit of of uh, explanation of that. For example, verse twelve. You know, he tells Timothy, "You're to be an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity." Gives us some insight to what he's talking about there. But he goes on to give specific. Um, very practical examples that we'll see as we move through the book. But before we do that, um, pick up here again in verse. Uh, in fact, I'm going to start in verse 12 again. Read verses 12 through 16, and then we'll we'll mainly look at verses 14 through 16. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love. In spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, now keep in mind, and I probably should have said this before I read it, but keep in mind these are specific instructions to Timothy. Paul's talking to Timothy, an elder at the church at Ephesus, pastor at the church of Ephesus. Um, and so here, again, are his instructions. Command these things, verse 11. Command and teach these things. Verse 12, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth, but be an example. He's talk, again talking about um, exampling godliness. Example these things, and he gives uh, some insight into how that would play out, and that's what we spent the last couple of weeks talking about. But to sum it up, you, we'll use Paul's words here, in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. 
And then he goes on to instructing uh, to give attention to the reading, the exhortation, and the teaching. And, and that's what we focused in on last week. Because this is uh, uh, essential to uh, living out godliness in, in order to be godly. And we, we've talked two weeks ago about what does godliness look like. We went through some passages on love and and uh, doing good deeds uh, with the right motive, of course. Uh, um, ministering, clothing the naked, uh, feeding the hungry, uh, visiting those that are in prison and are sick, that, that sort of thing. And then last week we talked about how to get there. You know, what, is, what does godliness look like two weeks ago? And then last week, how do we be godly? And we, uh, we talked specifically about verse 13 because this is key. Give attention to the reading. That is the public reading of Scripture. And give attention to the exhortation or uh, some translations will have the preaching there because that's what we're talking about. Like, like what's happening right now or on Sunday morning or Sunday evening. The preaching of the Word. He's t- Paul's telling Timothy uh, this is of primary importance. Give, a, give attention to the reading of Scripture, the public reading of Scripture, and the exhortation, the preaching, and teaching of the Word. All of those things are related to the Word, not just any reading or exhortation about uh, you know how to how to be a, uh, how to win fr- uh, friends and influence pe- people and that kind of thing, but. Exhortation of the Word, and then the reading of the Word, and then the teaching of the Word. And that's essential for living godly. So we're going to pick up tonight in verse 14, again along the same vein, uh, with these imperatives that he gives here. Uh, First of all, do not neglect the gift that is in you. And again, as I said, he's speaking specifically to Timothy about his function as pastor. But... Obviously, it's not, it's not only going to be uh, uh, applicable to Timothy, it's going to be applicable to all uh, pastors, all elders. But I would take it further than that and say there, there, there are principles here that are applicable to every believer. And I think that's one reason we have it here. God has preserved it for us um, because there, there are uh, principles here for everybody. Uh, for example, we, we should all uh, give attention to Reading and, and uh, you know exhortation in in some ways you know not in the same ways as as he's telling Timothy to but we all need to read scripture we all need to exhort one another we all need to uh, minister the gospel and so now he tells Timothy do not neglect that the gift the gift that is in you which was given you by the prophecy uh, by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership so that's the first uh, imperative don't neglect the gift that is in you. And then he says, verse 15, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them. Actually, two imperatives there. First of all, meditate on these things. That word meditate can be translated practice, which is what we've, what we've been talking about all along here. And this, it is what Paul's talking about. Practice these things. In other words, do these things. Practice them. Um, but it can also be translate, translated as it is here, meditate, to think on. Think on these things. And then the, the second imperative in that verse, give yourself entirely to them. He's telling 
Paul to fulfill his, uh, Paul's telling Timothy rather to fulfill his ministry, um, with everything within him, with all of his energy, to be diligent. Practice these things. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. So first of all, he says you're to be an example. In verse 12, you are to example these things to the believers. And then verse 15, your progress should be evident to all. They ought to, the church ought to be able to see these things working in your life as a leader. They ought, they ought to see you example them and see you progressing in them. So, think on these things. Meditate on them. Practice them and give yourself entirely to them. And then, uh, verse 16, the uh, another imperative, take heed to yourself and to the teaching. Take heed. Same ideas, give attention to. Take heed to yourself and to the teaching or doctrine. And then another imperative, continue in them. That is, remain in them. Stay alongside of them. Stay with them. Stay with it. Stick to it. We say stick-to-itiveness, right? That's the idea there. Stick to them. That is, these things. The things that you're to meditate on. The things that uh, he says in verse 11, uh, I'm telling you to command and teach. Meditate on these things and stay with them. Stick to them. For in doing this, and boy, this is quite a statement. Hopefully we'll, we'll uh, get to this in a moment. Just think about it for a minute or two. But um, in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. To me, I mean, that's, that's one of those statements. I mean, all of God's Word deserves our attention, right? But especially when you run across a statement like that, do this and you'll save both yourself and those who hear you. I mean, that, that's, that's an attention getter. Okay, um, let me go back to verse 14 here. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. So Paul's telling Timothy, don't be negligent. You're, uh, you're, you're called um, to a purpose. You're called, uh, what he's talking about here is to, to live godly in this world. And especially as you, as you come together as believers, rem- remember chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I'm writing to you so that you know how to conduct yourself in the household of God. Be godly. Mimic God. Be, be like God. Be serious. This would be an, an, another way of saying it. Be, um, well, pers- Pursue a scriptural way of saying it. Pursue holiness. Pursue it. Go after it. Give yourself entirely to it. Be holy. Be godly is the idea here. Um, Let me say this too before we get back into these verses. Something to, to think about here. We should not use the fact... This, this is one of those paradoxes of Christianity. We should not use the fact that we cannot achieve holiness as an excuse to not pursue holiness. Um, I, I, I say with every bit of confidence in me, and it, I mean, not necessarily gladly, but I say this confidently, um, we're, we're not going to be perfect on this side of glory. It ain't going to happen. 
Uh, it's not going to happen until the Lord comes and, and we're changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, or until we, we die and leave this world. That's when our salvation will be complete and not until then. Nevertheless, we are repeatedly commanded throughout the Scripture to pursue holiness, constantly be running after it, actively pursuing godly living. Phrases like Paul saying, put off the old man, put on the new man. Which, which is, even the language there is, it's just like the idea of putting on a jacket. I mean, that's, that's the, the wording that he's using. You know, you put on clothes. Something you do, you put it on. And that's what he's saying we should do with the new man. Put it on. Put on Christ is the idea. Be holy. Alright, so, don't be negligent, Paul says to Timothy, in these things. Be diligent in doing them. Now, specifically, verse 14, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Now, that's another interesting verse. And, and uh, um, boy, we could spend some time on that. I'm not going to spend much time on it. But he, he, he simply says, don't neglect the gift that is in you. And I'm assuming, in fact, let me, let me give you a parallel verse here in 2 Timothy. I'm assuming that he's, he's talking about uh, the specific way in which God has gifted Timothy to serve the church. And by the way, when we use the term minister, that's, that's what it means. To, to minister, to serve. So, the specific way in which God has gifted Timothy to serve the church, Paul is saying, don't neglect that gifting, that enabling that God has given you. And that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because we, we are dependent totally upon God for everything we do. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. And yet, He's given us responsibility um, to use the enablement that He's, that He's given us. Don't neglect it. Again, as I said the last couple of weeks, it's not, it's not passive. The Christian life is not passive. Becoming or being holy is not, is not passive. The pursuit of holiness is not passive. It's active. That's why Paul says to Timothy, you, you've got you've to give attention to these things. You've got to do them with, with, with all of your being, with everything in you. Here's the parallel verse. Um, 2 Timothy 1, 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up. Here he, here he says it in a positive way. Over in, in 1 Timothy, he says, don't neglect. He gives a negative imperative. Don't neglect the gift that is within you. Here he says, stir it up. <laughs> Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Notice, it's a gift of God. Not something that... Uh, he, he's not saying, look, Timothy, you, you need to uh, try to muster up some kind of ability here so you can serve the church. No, he's saying God's enabling you to do what He's called you to do. But you need to be careful not to neglect your calling. Stir up the gift that is within you. Stir up the gift of God. Verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of My hands. Now think, uh, that's probably 
both verses are probably referring to the same thing. Uh, that verse, and then uh, again, 1 Timothy 4, 14. So, Timothy was given, given a gift by God. 2 Timothy calls it the gift of God through prophecy and the laying on of the hands of the eldership. One of them being Paul, Apostle Paul, he says in 2 Timothy, uh, by the laying on of my hands. God gifts Timothy to do what he's called him to do. And then uh, it, it would be, uh, uh, I don't want to do too much speculation here, we, we weren't there, but it would be interesting to see, wouldn't it, how, how all of that played out. But, but Paul does say here, 1 Timothy 4.14, it was given to you by prophecy. And that is, you know, prophetic utterance. Uh, somebody speaking. Um, well, like I say, we, we don't know what they were saying, but somebody speaking on behalf of God um, in, in, in reference to Timothy and, and God's gifting to him. And with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Now, this is where our idea of ordination comes from. Uh, I'm not sure they're identical, but but this is where our our idea of ordination comes from. When when uh, today at least uh, today at least when, when when we ordain somebody to the gospel ministry or to the you know to, as ordain someone as a deacon, which again is the word servant to be a servant in the church, uh, the idea is that you're recognizing gifting that God has given them. So, you, so you're really just recognizing what God is doing in their life and just kind of officially saying, we see what God is doing in you and we're recognizing that and, and as a church. That's the idea behind ordination. In, in uh, how can I say this? In our circles, in, in Baptistic circles. Now, you get different ideas. And if you go to the Roman Catholic Church, for example, they're going to say, it's something is actually imparted in the uh, in the act of ordination and in the laying on of hands. Uh, there's actually a uh, like the, like the giving of the Holy Spirit or something something like that. But uh, our idea of ordination comes comes from this, and, and again, it's just the idea of recognizing the gifting of God. So Paul says, "Don't neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy." With the laying on of the hands of the eldership, that is the pastors, and we've we've talked about that before. Um, usually, when you see that word, if if not always, it may be every time when you see that word in the New Testament, it's plural, elders or eldership, implying more than one um, rather than singular. So uh, it, it would be the leaders of the church, those whom God has called. Uh, to pastor, to shepherd the church. Then in verse 15, again, meditate on these things. Practice these things. Okay, thought I skipped something there. I want to make sure I don't leave something important out here. Okay, practice these things. The idea again being to take care for or attend 
attend carefully, um, to meditate, as the New King James says here. Uh, so think on these things and do them. Make make them your make them your your practice, your uh, your part of your life, part of your everyday life, and then give yourselves entirely to them. So, so again, the idea of not not half-heartedly, don't be negligent, and don't be half-hearted. Stir up the gift that's in you. Think on these things. Practice them, so that you who Timothy who are to be an example to the flock. Your progress may be evident to all. So he's saying, display for the church godly living. Not, not in a self-righteous way like the Pharisees, but, but he's talking here about true godliness. Christ-centered uh, living. Living for the glory of God. Think on it. Practice it. Practice it. There are probably a lot of Passages um, we could mention on that. Uh, one that comes to my mind a lot is, uh, just for example, Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness. Notice, notice how he's describing walking worthy of the calling. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Walk worthy of the calling to which you are called. Uh, here's another one. Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators. The Greek word is, there is mimic. Therefore, be mimics of God. Imitate God. Be imitators of God as dear children. And then look how he describes that again. Walk in love. <laughs> that's, that's true godliness. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Aroma. So, mimic God. Be like God. Think on these things. Practice them. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. And there should be progress, by the way. That's, that's insinuated here, isn't it? There should be progress. In the Christian's life, there should be growth. There should be progress. Moving uh, always, as I said earlier, we're never achieving perfection. Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. But we should always be moving in that direction by God's grace. It, it ought to, the, the, the desire for it ought to consume us like Jesus' zeal for the house of the Lord. Eat me up, He says. Pursuing godliness. Okay, verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. Again, it's the idea of just, you know, give attention uh, or be attentive 
take, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. That's another way of pretty much of saying what he says in verse 15, the idea of practice them. Uh, or here it's, you know, remain in them. Uh, stick, stick to it. Continue in them. For in doing this, and, and here again, as I said earlier, is just a, an astounding statement. Paul is telling Timothy, in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now, if, if that does anything, I, I think it, it stresses the importance of godly living and the pursuit of godliness. The importance of, you go back to verse 13 just for a moment, it, it, it stresses the importance of the public reading of Scripture, the exhortation from Scripture, and the teaching of Scripture. Why? Because in doing these things, and, and then, of course, all of that being accompanied by godly living, exampled before the world, and then in doing these things, Paul says to Timothy, you'll save yourself and those who hear you. I had two quotes I wanted to read here just to help us, and uh, one of them I didn't bring with me, so I won't be reading that one. I can't memorize it. But it's basically the same thing as what Calvin says here. The other one was John MacArthur. And uh, I went off and left it. Uh, but he said essentially the same thing Calvin says here. Um, let's see how much of this I want to get. Now, this exhortation applies, and this is Calvin speaking, this exhortation applies to the whole body of the church that they may not take offense at the simplicity which both quickens souls and preserves them in health. Nor ought they to think it strange that Paul ascribes to Timothy the work of saving the church. Did anybody think that strange when you read that? <laughs> Calvin says you ought not to think it strange, but he goes on to say why. Um, but it does sound strange, doesn't it? You read that and Paul says to Timothy... You do these things, you'll save both yourself and the church. And of course, what MacArthur says is, is essentially uh, that uh, God uses means. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. This is the way I would say it, but uh, God uses means. So, of course, ultimately, God saves. God and God alone. But He uses means. And He uses men in the preaching of the Gospel to save souls. Now, here's the way that Calvin words it. Um, Nor ought they to think it strange that Paul ascribes to Timothy the work of saving the church. For certainly, all that is gained to God is saved, and it is by the preaching of the gospel that we are gathered to Christ. And as the unfaithfulness or carelessness of the pastor is ruinous to the church, so the cause of salvation is justly ascribed to his faithfulness and diligence. Let me read that one again. He's just saying if you, if you do a bad job, you're, you're blamed. And on the other hand, if you are faithful and, and diligent, um, 
Scripture speaks in such a way at times that it almost sounds as though you were doing it, but it's not. It's God doing it through you. Here's, here again is how he says it here. As the unfaithfulness or carelessness of the pastor is ruinous to the church, so the cause of salvation is justly ascribed to his faithfulness and diligence. True, it is God alone that saves. And not even the smallest portion of His glory can lawfully be bestowed on men. But God parts with no portion of His glory when He employs the agency of men for bestowing salvation. Now, Calvin there is applying the, the use of means, God using means, um, He's applying that to, to uh, salvation, correctly so. But that principle, though, is, is something to be remembered in all of the Christian walk. God uses means. So, for example, I believe God is my provider. We had uh, a, a good uh, meal at the house tonight. I left home a while ago full because God provides. But that doesn't mean, God willing, that doesn't mean that I'll get up tomorrow morning and sit around on the couch and watch game shows and soap operas trusting God to provide. No, I'll go to work. Say, well, why are you going to go to work? If you, if you think God provides, why don't, why don't you just be passive? Because that's not how God provides. God provides by or through means. He provides our food, our money, our clothing, those kinds of things through the means of our employment. So, there's a sense in which we provide for ourselves. And, and Paul says, if any man won't provide for himself and his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. He's worse than an infidel. But, behind it all is God. So, I can say, well, I get up and go to work and provide for my family, but I need to realize that all of that is actually God's provision. He's provided me with a job. He's provided me with the health to work. He's provided me with the means to get to work and back and all of those things. It's all God. It's all God, even though He uses means to accomplish it. That's what Calvin is saying here about salvation. And the same principle can be applied uh, to uh, godliness, sanctification. God uses means. Let me read the rest of Calvin's quote here because it's good. It's a little, I know this was a little bit lengthy, but it's just one more short paragraph here. He goes on to say, Our salvation is therefore the gift of God alone, because from Him alone it proceeds, and by His power alone it is performed. And therefore to Him alone as the author it must be ascribed. But the ministry of men is not on that account excluded. Nor does all this interfere with the salutary tendency of that government on which, as Paul shows, the prosperity of the church depends. And he's just talking about, uh, he references Ephesians 4.11 there. He's just talking about the government of the church. Uh, Ephesians 4.11, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Moreover, Calvin says, moreover, this is altogether the work of God because it is He who forms good pastors and guides them by His Spirit. 
and blesses their labor that it may not be ineffectual. All right, there's much more, but I'll stop there. So, he's just saying, and rightfully so, God uses means to accomplish what He's doing. So, Paul tells Timothy, Here's what, here's what you do, Timothy. Here's your responsibility as a human being. Here's your responsibility as a pastor. You've got to be diligent. You've got to, you've got to give attention to yourself and to the doctrine. You've got to give attention to the public reading of Scripture and to faithful exhortation and teaching. You've got to uh, example love and faith and purity and uh, godly conduct and godly speech before the flock. You've got to do all these things because in doing these things, you'll save yourself and those who hear you. And one more thing I should mention uh, before we uh, finish this point. We talked about this quite a bit in the book of Hebrews. Our, and I said it a moment ago too, our salvation is complete when we get to the other side. When Jesus returns. Our salvation is complete then. Until then, we are striving in this world, and again, like we've looked at the last couple of weeks, why Paul uses language like uh, we, we make it our aim to please God, or um, we labor and strive, back in verse 10, for to this end, for this goal, for this purpose, we labor and strive. Because we're not there yet. And as... Uh, well, I don't have that one before me, but uh, one quote I was going to read. Um, uh, MacArthur says, The proof of our salvation is perseverance. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. So it's, it's, not, it's not starting and making a profession. It's starting, living, and finishing by the grace of God. And so Paul says, if you give attention to these things, Timothy, if you do these things, if you pursue godliness, teach the Scripture faithfully, love one another faithfully, give attention to yourself and to the teaching, you'll save, in the end, the idea is you'll save both yourself those who hear you. This, these things, these things that he keeps referring to are the means that God will use to bring you to final and complete salvation. And that's how important they are. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your Word and Lord, Your sanctifying grace, the means of sanctification as we've been talking about here. Uh, your Word, the preaching of Your Word, and the hearing of it, prayer, meditation of Scripture. Lord, all all of these things that You've uh, given us 
given to us as gifts, privileges, and also responsibilities. Things that you use to work the good work in us and bring it to completion. And we do pray, Lord, that you grant to us the diligence that we are reading about here. We, as Peter said, may give diligence to make our calling and election sure. That we may live in this world in such a way that we example godliness for your glory and honor. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.